So Matt, let me welcome you to the Video Book Club. It's very exciting to have you here. And uh, to get started, what I'd like to do is to ask you how you got started writing. Were you always a big reader? And do you remember the first book that you loved? Yes, always a big, always a big reader. I probably, I can't, um, first book I loved was probably an Agatha Christie, maybe, um, Murder on the Orient Express, something like one of the, I can't remember exactly which one. It was a long time ago when I started reading. But yeah, I've read the the mystery genre, the huge subgenres of mystery forever. I mean, it's always been my go-to. I still read it now. Um, I know a lot of writers can't read or don't like to read mystery when they're writing, but it doesn't bother me. Out of you, as you said, mystery is a big genre and has lots of different characters in it and protagonists mm -hmm. and things like that. So your series, this is the only series that I know that you've written and book 10 comes out in November. So we're going to be talking about book nine because it also came out last year, but it's also coming out in paperback. But the main character is Rick Cahill. What inspired Rick for you? Well, as I once said at a uh, writer's conference, um, I'm of Irish descent, so I know about guilt, regret, and unfulfilled potential. So that's why I came up with Rick Cahill. Um, but on a not uh, so humorous note, although there wasn't much laughter there, I wanted when I I always knew I wanted to write mystery my whole life, um, and I never I graduated degree in English many many years ago, and I didn't I had, I had to find a job. Had to find, uh, you know, had to pay the bills. So I thought, well, there's always going to be a time when I can write, but I, I didn't realize you have to write when you have a day job. That that comes later when you realize that. So um, I didn't really start writing until I was in my very early 40s, and um, I was it was kind of autobiographical. It was mystery. It was a private eye, but it was kind of autobiographical. And I remember I was at a writers' conference uh, here in San Diego, actually, when a writer told me it's a reading critique and the writer told me you know you can write which was good but he said it's too autobiographical so the further i got away from that um the more the better the story became and kind of ironically became more the story i wanted to tell and in the first book yesterday's echo when i was revising this uh line came to me out of the ether which was uh which became the first line of the book the first time i saw her she made me remember and she made me forget and then I realized that there's character, this Rick Cahill, there's a lot I didn't know about him, which was good. And he was a lot darker than I than I'd been writing. And that really got me on the path I wanted to go. So how do you because these because each of the books is about different cases and things. So how do you research? How do you go about getting all the details? Yeah, well, I have uh, my my late brother-in-law was police officer for 33 years. Rick is an ex-cop um, for early books. I got help with him regarding, you know, Rick's a PI, but police procedural, you know, is in his background. And there was another, someone who had passed here in San Diego, a homicide detective uh, for one of the agencies. He helped me too, um, James Bozinski, Thomas Bozinski. So I got to there and I have a friend named uh, David Putnam, who's a former sheriff's deputy in San Bernardino. So I get a lot of stuff there, but in terms of uh, each individual case, I, for me, the, the writing process starts with what's going on and what's going on in Rick's life, his personal life, that taking a case will make more difficult. Um, what is the major subplot that he's dealing with? 
and he's had quite a few and, and doom legacy he's he's got um i think it's the second book where, where he's got cte um chronic traumatic encephalopathy the pro football disease the, the brain disease um so that's a huge major subplot but he's also um now has a has a family something he thought he'd never have after the death of his first wife but I, I, so I start with what's the subplot. I mean, I have an idea of what I want the the plot, the through line to be. But I really, sometimes they overlap and to make his life more difficult. But generally, it's just him taking any case um, will be difficult in his home life. But also because he tends to get uh, emotionally involved in his cases, that it it leads him to be to want it to want to find the truth too much to become. Um, too wedded to it and it, it at times can danger and endanger him the people he's trying to help and even his family at, at times yeah that was i mean it was interesting i just jumped into the series on the book before this one and this one so unlike other people who have mentioned things where they have to start at book one i don't uh, do that, that. <laughs> uh so he now has a family and he also has CTE. And so this was an interesting combination, which in some ways is kind of scary um, because in the beginning of the book, he's, he's, I don't want to give too much away for people who are going to catch up, but he's, he realizes he has it and he has all these rages and he has to, um, I mean, how did you do research on that? And how are you enabling him to deal with it without medication, I guess, is where I'm trying to go. Yeah, I realize I didn't really answer your your um, research questions, and I'll, and I'll touch on that as I answer this. The research, I find out what I, I have my target, and then I find out I'm not huge on research, but it has to be done. And you always get more you get more information than you need, and then you find the nuggets that make it sound like you your 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 subjects know what they're talking about. Regarding CTE, I did a lot of research uh, online. I, there's a guy named. Doug Lyle, who's a who's a doctor who's helps a lot of mystery writers. He's a mystery writer himself. So he gave me a lot of background. And um, I actually I knew, know somebody very close to me in the uh, writing business who's, I didn't know this when I was starting the book, whose husband um, or ex-husband now had, the, the thing about CTE is they don't have a, as of right now, they don't have a definitive diagnosis until the person dies and they look at their brain. Mm -hmm. Almost every football player they've ever looked for, I think everyone they've ever looked for, they have it. Um, so anyway, my friend's husband or ex-husband was pre-diagnosed with CTE and he developed these rages like Rick has, these irrational, violent rages. And I was writing about it and I didn't even know that that, that she had this situation and she read it and you know, sadly, he told me I was pretty much on the nose, but you know that, that came from research. But yes, uh, the main thing for Rick is he's trying to keep his family together, and he doesn't. He's trying to hide, which is kind of stupid, his um, these horrible new symptoms from his wife because he doesn't want to frighten her. And and they got a you know the ch they have a child together, Krista, who's fourteen months in this book, I think. Um, but he is uh, he is taking some medication. I think I touched on that in the last book. Um, but it's not, you know, it's not, it's not helping with, with the rage. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's interesting that you, you 
the the different layers that you've given Rick. I mean, having to deal with just, you know, solving murders and being a PI, but then you're also adding onto that that he's got CTE, which is, you know, it's a whole different level. It's a whole different layer. It adds a lot of depth to the character. And um, so did it just like just happen in the book book, you know, how did it come to you? How did you I can tell you I can tell you exactly I can tell you exactly how it came. Okay. And it's not it's not something that when I was I was writing I mentioned the first book yesterday's echo when I was writing that um, I had to learn more about the character and then somewhere along the line I realized well I'm writing a series I'm not just writing this one book um, but never in my uh, wildest dreams would I think I was going to give but this fairly successful series for me at least um, a character that's a disease rather to my protagonist that's um, mostly fatal and it leads to dementia uh, <laughs> But I, when I first started writing, I had two rules and I followed one and I broke the other. And one was that everything had to matter. Every emotional and physical scar had to matter. It wasn't going to be one of those books or one of those characters where he gets shot in the shoulder in the uh, first chapter and the third chapter, he's throwing uh, batting practice for the Texas Rangers. I had to, the scars were there. They don't go away. If he's got a broken rib early in the book, it's going to affect him the entire book. Um, and so I realized as I was writing this series, uh, when I got to Last Redemption, which is where the CTE comes about, which is book eight, but this guy's had a very physical life. He's, uh, he, first of all, in his backstory, he boxed as a, as a um, teenager, I think three years. He played Pop Warner football, he played high school football, and he played a couple of years of college football. He's had concussions as a PI. He was a cop. That's uh, That can be a rough and tumble career and i started to think man he's probably got cte now did i have to give him cte no but if i was going to stick to that one rule that everything matter he can't escape the decisions he's made and the physicality of his life that that i decided to give him i had to give him cte and it's it made for it's made, it's made for good and challenging writing but you know he's the average lifespan for someone with cte i think is 52 and he's about 43 in the book that comes out in November. Um, and I know my publisher wondered, why are you giving him CTE? <laughs> but to be true to that one thing and to what I really believe in trying to write as true as you can in an untrue um, situation, that he had to have CTE. So, okay, so that was going to lead me to my next question is, is that are you giving yourself an end to this series? Because he's not going to make it to 70. Well, maybe there'll be, maybe we don't know, but maybe there'll be a you know, new technology that can help. Um, well, the, I just say this, the next book is called Odyssey's End, <laughs> um, which is 10, number 10. But I, um, I'm i not going to say whether, I don't want any spoilers for people that may be watching that, that read me um, regarding what happens to Rick. However, I've written this character, it's first person, I've written it for 20 years. It took 10 years for me to get published. I've been in one guy's head for 20 years. He's like a brother to me, um, kind of a reckless brother, taller, better looking though. Uh, and I can't, now I'm writing something different right now. And it's challenging. I'm writing a third person, this guy, this guy who I've known for, for almost a third of my life. Um, I'm not writing about anymore right now. 
I'll just say I can't imagine not writing about a Rick Cahill scenario. That's all I can say. Well, I was wondering if you're going to introduce another uh, uh, a character that can go off and start their, their own series or can go are they going to stay in the in the rick world or not is what i'm writing now is not the rick world what i'm writing okay. now is not the rick world there are characters moira his sometime partner and best friend and kind of big sister in many ways mm-hmm. i could definitely see a, a series with moira's and and I'll, I'll do a brief segue moira came about because I broke my first, my second rule, whatever, 20, I had two rules. One I kept, one I didn't. And I didn't want to have Rick to have a sidekick. That was the thing. I wanted to be a lone wolf. I didn't want him to have a Superman sidekick and get him out of any physical situation. I didn't want him to have some wealthy sidekick that could fly him across the world when needed. And I didn't, or get him out of maybe police situations. And I didn't want to have the humorous, um, the, the comedic sidekick. And I needed a, in the second book, um, night tremors i needed a private eye one scene put her in moira a little five foot nothing sawed off uh attitude and sawed off with big attitude and they started talking and i realized wow this this person needs to be in the book and she really became the um, conscience of the series um and so i'm so glad i broke that rule because honestly i don't with, with him him being he does have a dog by the way so even if moira never came about he does have a dog midnight who does who plays a large part of the series but to show that he can be loved but he makes a lot of mistakes he's um some he can be a little bit paranoid and uh but he has this, this sense of having to which goes back to his first wife's death this sense to having to get to the truth of the matter and not letting it go he's a bulldog and to have this dour potentially dour type character without having a sidekick someone he could talk to someone that can someone who's very competent and the that the audience will like readers will like mm-hmm. not that they don't like rick but someone who more together that she really cares for him i i, I realize it softens him a bit it makes him more likable and plus she's smarter than him she can figure stuff out he can't and um best thing i ever did because i don't think i would have gone i wouldn't be t- here talking to you about books nine and ten because i don't think they would have no one would have wanted to go past book four if i'd kept this really dark insular guy i probably would have liked it but maybe my audience wouldn't have liked as much as they do having more in his in his world so now we're going to talk about midnight do you have a dog i've had dogs all my life um had black labs almost all my life uh about 12 years ago got a yellow lab named angus and um first yellow and he was crazy. Uh, lost him a year ago, um, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, I, I'm not ready yet after Angus. Um, if people that follow me on Facebook know Angus because I show him in various stages of upside down on the couch. Often he had um, he had many followers. He didn't have his own page, but when he passed, and I put a note up. I got over 700 people commenting on Angus. I never get for my personal stuff. I never get anything like that. Angus touched a lot of people. It's funny because. Um, just seeing him upside down on the couch or doing just looking at the camera they got a sense of who he was so um because i'm on a tangent here but he had a lot of physical things he had to go go uh, he had um epilepsy and he had severe um arthritis and so he had (laughs) i used i spent a lot of money on him trying to have him happy he had his own acupuncturist who come to my house and he had to he get physical therapy once once a week. Uh, I had to drive up to Escondido, which is quite a ways from where I live. 
but but everywhere and he, my vet he'd go to the vet off but everywhere he went he was like uh he was like george and cheers or george went and cheers everybody loved him and he loved being he loved being seeing people and so he lifted people up that didn't even know him. um anyway so yes i do love dogs and i love angus still oh that's sweet all right before this started i was having a tug of war with bonnie who is my golden retriever who ah. doesn't doesn't like Wednesday nights because that means that she has to get locked out of the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. So um, I was going to say, I was wondering if, if a lot of, because midnight seem so real to life to people who have dogs and mm. that's really important. And it's not surprising that our dogs are more famous than we are. <laughs> Should be. Okay. So the next, tell us a little bit about the book that's coming out in November. Do you mind? Um, it's on, oh. Oh, available for pre-order now everybody is book 10 and the rick cahill yeah it's uh rick had rick's had i mentioned the cte it's not going to go away he still has it so but it's it's um the end of the last book was very disturbing to his wife and she has left him uh with her with their daughter krista and they've, she's gone to santa barbara where she's from, uh, and I live in San Diego. That's where I live. Rick lives in San Diego. It's four four hour drive up north. They they share custody. Um, Rick's hopeful to work things out, but they're not really progressing in that direction. Um, and Halsey really thinks about now. He realizes that his his more than likely his uh, life's uh, clock is moving faster than most, and he has limited time left. So he wants to be able to have a a little nest egg, best he can do for Krista before he goes, and and he's he's a private eye. That's what he does, even though he tends to get too emotionally involved um, and physically involved. That's the best he can do, and so he's that's utmost on his mind. And he gets a knock on the door at seven thirty uh, in the morning. And he opens it, and it's a guy named uh, Peter Stone, who he has a tumultuous past with, um, who actually tried to kill him in book one, Yesterday's Echo. And they they kind of had a strange uh, team up uh, in a couple earlier books out of necessity for both of them. But they don't like each other. They respect each other. Peter Stone is, uh, he's not really a, he's not a killer, in the, in a, in like a hitman or something like that, but he's certainly responsible for people's death. He's a former casino casino boss and owner and um he he's um bad news and however this is all in the first chapter rick wants nothing to do with him but he he wants rick to try to find someone from their both from their past kind of a peripheral person from rick's past and he's offering rick fifty thousand dollars and rick the last thing he wants to do is work for Peter Stone, but he cannot turn down $50,000 when he's trying to put a nest egg together for his daughter. So he takes the case and Goes things advance him. violently Yeah, at times. Well, thank you. And you, what date is that out? That's like by November 1st? November 14th. November 14th. So everybody yeah. should know that's pre-order. It's from Ocean View. Okay, now we're going to move into the part of this interview that sometimes scares authors, but don't be frightened. We are going to be fresh fiction facts. So I'm going to ask you some random questions that you have to answer off the cuff. Don't think about them too hard. First, can I, can I read something for Darla? 
Sure. She Go ahead. Read Ellis. something for Darla. She mentioned Ellis Cole. Yes. And Robert Craze. Yes. This is a blurb. This is a blurb I got from somebody. Following an Anthony Award-winning debut isn't easy, but Matt Coyle slammed a home run. Hard, tough, humane. Night Tremors is outstanding. Robert Craze. Anyway, I don't do that, but I had to do that for Darla. I'm a big uh, Robert Craze fan. He's a friend of mine, great guy, and great writer. That was for you, Darla. All right. So the first thing is, what is your favorite genre? Oh, she said thank you. Um, what is your favorite genre to read? It's the genre. It's mystery. Um, yeah, no question. Okay. Opposite of that is, what is a genre you never want to read again? <sighs> I don't want to offend anybody. Um I've had to write, I've had to read, I've blurbed some books. I, that's not fair. Um, what's to say memoirs? What's to say that? Memoirs, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, what is one what, hobby what, what, or pra practice that you picked up recently? God. Well, just, I'm playing golf again after not doing it for about um, 10, 11 years. And it's more difficult than it used to be. What is one luxury item or unnecessary product that you can't live without? I don't have many luxury items. Unnecessary product that I can't live without. Um, okay. Probably chocolate milk. Yeah. I said it. I don't drink, okay. but I drink chocolate milk. Okay. Your chocolate milk, is that already made chocolate milk or do you make it yourself? No. <laughs> Uh, I get I get lactose free chocolate milk, so it's already so it's already, it's already mixed up produced. Yes. Okay. All right. What advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, write earlier. Start writing earlier. Okay. Is there any what a character from your books beside the main character would you want to be friends with? Uh, Moira, for sure. Moira. Yeah. Okay. Okay, what is one thing that instantly can pull you out of a story, a movie, or book, or some kind of creative effort? Um, probably can maybe be a. I mean, I'm probably guilty of it myself, but a little, little bit of uh, look at me writing, and um, I don't know, just kind of rehashing reiterating something small that we already know or just okay. like hey how are you doing great how was your day well good that's, that slows everything down what is your favorite writing fuel besides chocolate milk <laughs> water <laughs> I, I generally yeah in the morning I, i'll work out and then i start writing i don't i don't like to eat on a full stomach or anything and so I just write until I get hungry and then I'll eat and take a break and eat later and then write. And then after my second session at night, then I eat. So it can make for some late meals, which probably isn't good, but I like to be kind of, I guess I like to be hungry when I'm writing apparently. Okay. Very boring. It's all very boring. All right. When you write, do you need to have silence or do you listen to music or something else? I absolutely prefer to have silence. Sometimes that's not within um, my um, my capacity to have. So there is a there is a, a CD I listen to when that uh, there's noise outside that's bothering me. Sometimes it doesn't bother me if it's white noise, but and it's uh, the Lake Grover Washington. Um, I think it's the Time Out of Mind CD, 
and there uh, there is some it's it's mostly instrumental he's a sax player mm -hmm. uh jazz and but there are a couple songs that uh you know there's vocals but i've listened to it so many i think i've listened to it at at least at some period for every book that even the vocals don't bother me i could just i can get it in the i can even be tapping my foot and I'm, i can be in the groove writing okay i got to see him in philadelphia when i was in college oh, that's where he's from Lord, I know. He, was, he went yeah. to Temple University, same place I went. He was he was awesome. I saw him in San Diego. Yeah. Yeah, he was really great. Okay, so speaking back to your childhood or younger days, what was your most memorable athletic feat? Uh, <laughs> probably um, I played high school football. I played baseball. Um, Ironically, I guess would be, the only championship I ever won in all of these was inter, intramural softball at UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> we, won, we won some some championship and it was a team where I went, didn't even start the season with. They asked me to play. And so I guess that's it. Is it, you know, trying to be a team guy? Um, I was a decent athlete, made, you know, all league and second team or what have you with honorable mention. But um you know, I guess I scored a few touchdowns, but it's probably that you know, winning that championship. Yeah. Okay. What bad habit has followed you since college? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, you know, um, putting things off. Procrastination. Procrastination. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, even it's easy to do as a writer. There's nothing easier to do than not write. I'm really good at not writing. So it's easy to do, but um, you have to force yourself through it. So that and my love of uh, chocolate milk, probably. Okay. All right. One more question is, what do you own a ridiculous amount of besides books? Oh, I own a lot of books. Um, God, not much. Uh, I don't know, a lot of books. Uh, I honestly don't know. I don't have a good one for that. I don't own that many things. Okay. So you just own books and chocolate milk. Yeah. There's, there's a local artist who I like. Uh, I have a, I have three of her paintings. The last one I really couldn't afford. So we'll go with that. Bought it anyway. Okay. All right. So for the future, how can Pete, how can readers stay in touch with you and find more out about you? Yeah, I'm online. Um, MacOilBooks.com. Um, my Facebook, MacOil, you just look me up. Uh, those are, the, I'm very uh, active on Facebook. I'm, I'm kind of on Instagram, but I don't, I don't really do much there. It's really Facebook. Um, you know, if you email me on my website, I will definitely respond. Well, Matt Coyle, thank you very much for joining us for uh, Video Book Club with Fresh Fiction. And uh, just stick around. We're going to have a Q&A that's off camera. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun.